This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, controversy galore in the BBL. Are the NBL Open Air and Christmas games here to stay? Yes. A baseball fan in America has poured judgment. Hey. And Roger Federer is unrecognisable in retirement at Wimbledon. Back-to-back episodes, Joey. Let's go. It's Thursday, the 5th of January. It is 8.58pm here in the West. It is part two or episode two, I guess, of our double header after nearly a month off. Opening bounce, Chewy, what you got for this one? Well, I'm going to start with this Roger Federer incident at Wimbledon. I don't know if you heard about this. I did. I did. It's so, Patrick Ewing-like. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like that. Yeah. They're very similar. So he's basically flown from Tokyo to London to have a bit of a, a chat to one of his doctors just regarding the knee. And he thought, oh, I've got a couple of hours to spare. What do we do? Do we go straight to the airport or he's like, no, let's go to Wimbledon. We'll go and have some tea at Wimbledon. We'll go and sort of hang out there. Go and see the Wombles. Yeah, haven't been there outside of basically playing a tournament before, so it'll be kind of nice to see. So he rocks up in the car with his coach, and it, look, it's notoriously difficult to get into Wimbledon unless you're basically a member. And Roger Federer is a member because when you win Wimbledon, you're automatically a member for life, and he's won it eight times. So he basically pulls up to the front gate, speaks to the security lady, and he's like, really sorry, I've never been here to this part before how do I get in? And she's like, you need your membership card. Do you have your membership? And he's like, well, I don't have my card with me. No. And she's like, well, you can't get in without a membership. And he's looking at her and he's like, uh, I haven't really been here before. Usually when I come here, I'm playing. And she's like, well, you need your membership card. And, and he, he, he said, he actually said to Trevor Noah, he's like, I felt horrible saying this because I'm not that sort of guy. But he said like, I've won this tournament eight times. See, what I would have done is I would have pulled out my phone. I would have done a Google image search, Roger Federer Wimbledon win, and show a photo of myself holding the trophy. That's, that's what I would have done. That's good. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Here's my membership card. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is me winning it more than any other man has won it before. The, the, the only person who has won it more than him, Martina Navratilova, she won it sing, in the singles. Oh, I was going to say she won a lot of doubles titles. In too. the singles, she yeah. won it nine times. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. But uh, he went around to the other side. And gets out of the car and straight away the this person on security is like, oh my God, Mr. Federer, do you want to come in? And like the obviously the, the people all start coming down. They're like, oh my God, bring you inside. And he had his tea. But that poor lady, she must feel terrible. Yeah. Because again, we assume that these people know she might not know tennis. She might not even like tennis. True. But yeah, as I mentioned, it reminds me of that that um Patrick Ewing one. And it might have been an NCAA game, but they were playing at the garden and he had to say, look. That's my jersey in the rafters yeah. there, guys. I think it might have been during the tournament even. But yeah, yeah, it's funny know, these things. It reminded me of the whole Dawson Gurley thing. Dawson Gurley? Yeah, Clay Thompson. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, it reminded me of that Ugh, where fake play. it shocks me how often these security at these places don't recognise champion players and can't tell the difference, basically. But as you say, a lot of them are just doing a job and maybe aren't interested. So. And yet, I heard recently at Kirribilli House when they had the PM's special thing. Who was it? Was it one of the blokes on cricket, etc.? Or it might have been one of the blokes on the grade cricketer recently was saying how easy it was to get into Kirribilli House. It's like where the PM lives. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there's more security at Wimbledon than for our Prime Minister. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely crazy. Now, the other thing was the Aaron Judge ball. So... He recently hit his 62nd home run of the season, which is an American League record, obviously also a New York Yankees record. And the guy who caught the ball in the crowd, a guy named Corey Yeomans, was offered $3 million for the ball. It has to almost be a record for fan memorabilia. Be up there. Surely. Be up there. I don't know about like the Barry Bonds ball or or I don't know, but yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But he declined and decided instead he was going to auction it off. And the auction ended with the ball selling for $1.5 million. Still tidy. Still tidy. But half. Cost himself $1.5 million. So not great. Random fact about this, though. So Judge wears number 99, and he hit his 62nd home run in a win that took the Yankees' record to 99 and 62. It's classic. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Numbers in sport. And speaking of 1.5 million, a bloke won 1.6 million on Morocco upsetting Spain in the uh, Soccer World Cup. Oh, wow. And I know that was a little while ago, but we will have to talk about it a little bit today, obviously, because it's been a while since we recorded. But That's a lot of money, though. It is. Had to have put a decent amount down to get that. Well, it's a pretty big upset. But yeah, he would have put a bit down. Yeah. So what's your opening bounce, Nath? Well, unfortunately, we've had a lot of people pass away in the last month. We had Pele, we had Ronnie Hillman, we had Franco Harris, former UFC fighter Stefan Bonner. So rest in peace to all of them. I'm sure I've missed people too. There's been a lot lately. And uh, I don't like to stick with the sad news, but Sandy Campbell, who played with the Bulldogs, Rabbitohs and Roosters, 93 games, pretty decent NRL career, is now homeless, which is really sad. But some interesting stuff. Michael Smith had a perfect game in darts against Michael Van Gouwen. Nine darts to get the 501. Pretty impressive. It's very impressive. It's like bowling a 300 in bowling, basically. It's very hard to do, yeah. and it's the it's a perfect game. It's, it's probably slightly easier because you've only got to focus for, for nine throws as opposed to the perfect game would be, what, 11, I think it is, or 10? Anyway. Yeah, but you're aiming for different targets at times, I guess, maybe. Neither, I don't know. Neither of us are particularly good at darts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with darts, actually. I'm not bad at that. I'm fucking shit out. Yeah, no, I'm actually pretty good at that. I can hit the board Yeah, most of the time. No, you'd be surprised, actually. Uh, the Perth Cup was abandoned when a horse fell 200 metres into the first race. We don't like horse racing, but... No, it's, a, it's an abomination, quite frankly. Yeah, not a big fan. So, yeah, that's kind of what I had for the, for the opening bounce, mate. Here we go. The Sport Blokes are proud to announce a very special live event coming in the new year. Full Court Fitness and the Backlot Perth Proudly present NBL Podcasts Live. Nathan Stewie will be joining the NBL Pocket Podcasters and superfan Nick Tan, and you should too. Come watch the Perth versus Tasmania game on the big screen and then stay for a live recording of the collaborative podcast. Wildcats member? Never fear. It's an away game, so you can join us too. So whether you're a Perthling or you're in the area on January 29, what are you waiting for? There are very limited seats available, so check out the link in the description Grab a ticket while you still can. So, Shui, the NBL, since we last recorded in the last month, has been pretty bloody exciting too. There's been all sorts of good stuff. There was that crazy Perth-Melbourne finish. There was Cairns-Adelaide where they came back from 18 down, the tired best comeback in the 10-minute quarter era. We had that game where Mitch Creek had 46 and 10 boards and Derek Walton had 45 and 10 assists. In an overtime game, we've had an open air game. And funnily enough, in that game where Mitch Creek out dueled Walton by one point, South East Melbourne win by one point in double overtime. We've had an open air game. We've had a Christmas game. It's all happening. It is all happening. Yeah. yeah. It's good, isn't it? It's all happening. Even bloody Brisbane of Do you reckon changing coaches, you know how teams always have a bit of a bump after a coach gets sacked? Do you reckon Brisbane have gone, uh, well... We've only won four games. If we sack our coach after every single game. <laughs> so they won five now. The bloody Wildcats lost in that. The free throw shooting. All I can see is Bart 
skateboarding over the gorge. The gorge. Over the gorge. <laughs> I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Them trying to make the playoffs. Or even just make the play in, basically. What I found really funny was that Sam McKinnon moved from GM to coach and he was interim. And I remember Damon Lowry saying, oh, no, that's not an interim tag. He'll definitely be the coach. And literally a day later, they named Van der Jack the coach. Yeah, so that's funny. Interesting times in Brisbane. Just before we get into these, just I really want to address the commentating at the moment. So just spoke about that Perth Wildcats-Melbourne United game. The commentary team for that game was Liam Santamaria. Yep. Obviously, big tick. That's yep. fine. Yep. Mitch Creek and Lee Montagna. Yeah. He's done a few, Lee Montagna. So you've got an ex-football player and a current NBL player with Liam Santamaria. That just, to me, that's not good enough. There's enough top quality guys out there that you don't need those guys. I, I, I just, I don't get it. And why do we even have to have three? Yeah, yeah. Like if you look, obviously the big national TV stuff in the NBA, you'll have three. I get it. But if you look at the individual teams, they'll have their own commentary teams. And I mean, the Spurs are a good example. They've got, I can't remember what his name is, the, the main guy. That Sean does, Elliott, I can't but, remember the other guy. But, but Sean yeah. So a lot of them will have an ex-player. Oklahoma City have their guy and Michael Cage. The Bulls have Stacey King and their guy. I know that Antonio Daniels is one that has done a lot as well. So there's there's a lot of those sorts of ones that have that two-person thing. If you can't get three quality guys, just do it with two. And we've talked about it before as well. I'm not a fan of current players commentating. Maybe if the team isn't in the playoffs, but during the regular season. And look, Creek's okay. He's okay as a commentator, but I don't know. And Montagna, I like Montagna on AFL, but in the NBL... I don't know. You've got to cut your teeth somehow, though, don't you? So hopefully he'll improve. I have one exception to that rule that you've just listed. Big source, Alan Williams. Oh, I missed that game. Man, but I did hear a lot of people say how well he was good. in commentary. Yeah, he's got, such, he's got the perfect voice for it. Like, so that really good sort of pitch level. He's really, really good and knowledgeable, obviously, which does help. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I it's just, all Melbourne and Southeast Melbourne players. Well, it's because they've got the, yeah, I know, the commentary yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. But... Speaking of, did you see Hutchie in a blue shirt at the United game again? Hmm. Hutchie, if you're going to go to Melbourne games, don't wear the fucking colours of the other team that you don't own. Yeah, and rant. Yeah, well, <laughs> if that's a rant. And just quickly as well, before we get into the open air and Christmas games, I love the fact that if you look at this point of the season where we're you know 19 to 22 games in, the top four still consists of New Zealand, Cairns, and Tassie, and you've still got Perth, Adelaide, and Melbourne United fighting it out for that last spot. I love this. And Sydney are 14 and 5, New Zealand 12 and 6, but Perth and Adelaide are 10 and 9. Oh, There's not a hell of a lot of difference between missing the play-in and finishing top if things tend to go the way they're going at the moment. Yeah. I so think everyone talks about Melbourne. Melbourne have played 22 games, so they've played a few more games than most teams. Southeast Melbourne have played 22 as well. But even Melbourne, I mean, okay, they're two games below 500. They'd have to basically win out. But but they've also won, they've won four of their last five. Well, that's right. That's right. And so, like, if you look at Melbourne, you look at Adelaide. I mean, Adelaide had won four before they lost that one against Cairns as well. So there's some good little win streaks going all over the place. It's and gonna... bogey teams are interesting too. So Cairns can't beat Perth, but Cairns, Cairns are basically second on the ladder or fighting for second place on the ladder, but they can never beat Perth. But New Perth- Zealand finally broke their hoodoo against Perth. Perth had dominated New Zealand lately as well. But we can't beat Brisbane. Oh, no, that's the funny thing. So, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, oh, it's frustrating. Every team has a bogey team. Yeah, and they're all different. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fantastic finish to the season. I will definitely ramp up my viewing as the test cricket is nearly done. So I really look forward to the finish to the season because it's going to be a beauty. All right, so let's get into it. Open air game. What would you think? 
Yeah, so I must admit, I didn't see the whole game, but it's really great that it was a close one because as we kind of talked about when the league announced this, it's a bit gimmicky and you want the games to be good and close for the fans that come in for the gimmick. We did worry about the shooting percentages. Both teams shot up 40% from the field. Cairns 30% from beyond the three-point line. Melbourne not a hell of a lot better. Both teams hit 10 threes. Both teams shot okay from the foul line. So, yeah, no, look, it's good. And Perth have one coming up too. So hopefully they can replicate a good match. Yeah, I mean, look, we were kind of, as you say, we were worried about the atmosphere. I, I just, for me, I guess the big thing with these open-air games is, as you say, it's gimmicky. You're changing the goalpost slightly. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know why. Like, oh, look at that. We can see the sky. Yeah, and look, it did look beautiful, and thank God the weather was great. That's it. You're doing but, Melbourne like yeah, you're just yeah, tempting yeah. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I told my girlfriend about it, and she's like, oh, that's cool. Is that an exhibition? I was like, nah, it's a regular season game. She was like, what? That's a regular season game. Points, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't say, oh, just for this game, the rings are going to be 12 feet, or we're just going to play this one with the court three times as long and twice as wide. <laughs> like, you're not going to do that. Like, no. like, I get it. The conditions are the same for both teams. but And that is true. But, like, it's amazing how pissy everyone got about how they changed yeah, the, the pitch for the, the Gabba test. Everyone pissed them, oh, you've changed this. It's too much of this and it's too much of that. It's like... Both teams are playing on that pitch, and yet you're getting all uppity about that. I just and again, percentage could almost certainly determine the final standings. It could, especially yeah. like for Melbourne. I mean, it's big for them in terms of getting into the playoffs, but also seeding. And well, exactly, it could, it could be the difference between second and third. It could, it could be the difference between missing a play-in and making a play-in. There's all sorts of ramifications. Yeah, and look, I could understand if we had like the aurora borealis or something going on in the background, which would. <laughs> Which would actually probably distract well, the players from the sh- from shooting, but it would be the Aurora Australis if we had the Aurora no, Aurora. Like <laughs> Australia. The, the Australis is exciting as the Borealis. I uh, know it's not meant to be. That's why. I yeah, use that yeah, yeah. I know yeah. The Borealis is pretty <laughs> and stuff. And and on top, they moved the game to Finland. To- yeah, and on top of that, I mean, you're not going to get that at this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country. Mm. Steamed hams. See? Yeah, very good. <laughs> you do steam a good ham. <laughs> <laughs> the one incident, though, that I did want to talk about that's kind of doing the rounds at the moment is the Mason Peatling incident with Keanu Pinder. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Obviously, Pinder's injured now, which is a real shame, and MVP race and all that. I'm okay to talk about the MVP race in the NBL because most teams <laughs> only have between six and eight games left or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it was intentional. I just think it was one of those things, split second decision, just just a bad luck. Do you think he did it on purpose? I would say it's reckless. Okay. Rather than intentional. Yep. If you look like it's not. To use the AFL language. Yeah. It's a, yeah, me, low impact, medium. (laughs) Look, it's not up there with the Zaza Pachulia one. He jumps miles too late to even contest the dunk. And as a result, kind of puts himself in this position where he's landing where Pinder landed. And we're now missing an MVP caliber player for who knows how how long. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I understand 40 coming out and saying what he did about it. He's frustrated. Oh, well, Forty has to defend his players. Yeah. Yeah. I think Melbourne United probably should have let it go rather than fire back because they've come out and said, oh, look, this is an attack on us and all this sort of shit. Like, they could have just said, look, we understand where he's coming from. We don't necessarily agree. It sucks that Keanu's injured. Obviously, we don't want that sort of thing. That would have been the smart way to do it. Play with a straight bat. Definitely. But... There's been some feisty testiness between teams and social media teams and all sorts yep. of things this season, hasn't it? We've got a rivalry, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. As if Melbourne needed more rivals. No, well, <laughs> yeah, it's good for the league. 
while we're on that one, Shui, I might bring up the other one I had on my notes. So Barry Brown Jr. called the ref a cheat and only got a tech for it. I think it was Vaughn Mabry, but don't quote me on that one. It's a little while ago now. Do you think he got off lightly? If it's Vaughn Mabry, then no. <laughs> I don't have... Vaughn's better than some, mate. Yeah, true. Vaughn is better than some. Yeah, he's, a, he's the best of a bad bunch, maybe. Yeah, one of the best, probably. Yeah. Look, if all, like, all jokes aside, if that is legit and he's actually come out and called him a cheat then there's got to be a fine at the very least or but i think so yeah i do could you pick it up i actually didn't see that is there was it pick up on the i'm not sure if it was in the broadcast and it was a little while ago but i mean it's a pretty strong allegation to call someone a cheat yeah Yeah. it's one thing to say you're shit it's one thing to say you're favoring the other team even cheat is a really strong word and i think that he probably should have at least got a fine and suspended one game or something if suspended yeah, sentence. if there's evidence that's the big thing because they may Yes have... yeah 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 assuming assuming the evidence yeah. is there because if it's just alleged or he said it but there's nothing to prove it then obviously you can't do anything but yeah I, a... well i don't think he denied it so okay. put it that way yeah it's, it's a pretty big allegation it is to make. isn't it yeah I, I would never be calling a ref a cheat unless well unless i thought they actually were yeah. Yeah. But you've got to be prepared to take the punishment. Yeah. I think I think he was lucky. Especially as a professional, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that is pretty lucky. I didn't see that one. There you go. Now, obviously, the other game we were mentioning was the Christmas game. I have to say I absolutely love this. Did you get a chance to watch it? I didn't, unfortunately. Christmas and Boxing Day are always really busy. I watched a bit of the – I basically prioritised watching a bit of the Boxing Day tests over the basketball on those two days. So, no, I didn't see it, unfortunately. When I saw the result, I was kind of glad because it was a bit of a blowout. Yep. But I think it's a great tradition. I think it's here to stay and good on them. Seems to be something the NBL can really move forward, I think. Yeah, I love the idea. I think the audience on Christmas Day, I mean, everyone will put it put it this way. For my Christmas Day, it works perfectly because we will generally have brunch. We'll have a nice big meal. By midday, everyone's stuffed. We're sitting on the couch like, ugh, can't move. It's good to have something like that. And it helps that your folks love basketball too. And Doesn't yeah. hurt. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. hurt. What I think they have done, though, is they've missed a trick with this one, potentially. And it, and it could just be that this was kind of the guinea pig just to see how it goes, and then they kind of expand on it. My thoughts are this. Why not have a throwdown on the morning? Well, not the morning, but like the afternoon. So have a tip-off maybe 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Then have a freeway clash in the evening. So and the reason I say this is, so obviously both the Melbourne teams, you would assume, are in Melbourne. So they can still have the morning with their families, open presents, all that sort of stuff. Mid-morning, you head to the arena, you do all you want stuff, you play your game. For the freeway clash, Illawarra have enough time to spend with their family as well, and then they make the 90-minute drive up to Sydney because, let's be honest, Sydney are never going to be made to travel on Christmas. It's just <laughs> the way we would, we would see it. But that way, no team has to fly on Christmas Day like Melbourne did, and you still get to spend the time with your families, but you also get to put on that spectacle on Christmas Day. I think that's an easy way to do it. That's interesting that you would do a kind of in-state rivalry. So then obviously the two Queensland teams would be another potential. But they're too far apart. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but as Andrew Bogut mentioned, a lot of teams travel on Christmas anyway. True. If they have playing on boxing or the day after boxing, for example. Mm. Christmas lunch is pretty sacred. But Perth could host a game. New Zealand could host it. We've got several different time zones True. we can work with. True. So I don't know why it has to be East. You could have an afternoon game in the East and then an afternoon game in Perth, for example, yeah. or an afternoon game in New Zealand and an afternoon game in the East. True. So, yeah, I've, either way, I think it's a great initiative and I think they, I hope they keep doing it. Yeah. But I don't think 
I don't know. Does it need to be the same two teams every year? Is that fair? Not necessarily. I mean, you know? it's, not, it's not always... Or same four teams? It's not always the same teams, in, yeah, certainly in the NBA, but yeah. Did you catch any of the NBA, by the way? Uh, no, I woke up at about 7 o'clock, looked at the scores from the previous games and went, fuck that. <laughs> no chance I'm watching that. The NBA Christmas games are often a disappointment. They are. At risk of doing trivia without notice in the wrong segment, only one team has never played a Christmas Day game in the NBA. Oh, wow. Jeez, who that probably okay? See, Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte, okay. Yeah, I suppose Seattle probably would have done one. Oh, I don't know. Of course, okay. See, did when we had Durant and Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. We... But fancy, I was surprised at that. Hey, I was expecting maybe ten to fourteen teams would have never. Yeah, but well, there you go. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, sorry. Back to the NBL. <laughs> oh well, I mean, just back to the NBA quickly for the you did sort of mention the. Oh yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, the one game that I did actually make the effort to watch was the Phoenix Denver game, which was the really close one. That was the 41 15 and 15 Jokic game that I yes. referred to yeah, yeah. in the previous episode. But yeah, we had some some really great, so like Landry Shamit was on fire, uh, you know, at certain points during the game. You had, you know, really, really good performances from DeAndre Ayton. Chris Paul was okay. But yeah, that was the only game out of the five that was decent, really. You would I mean, say. even this year was better than than some to it, be honest true. looking at the scores i haven't seen the games but yeah no but i think it's a great initiative and and hopefully it's here to stay and hopefully they will think outside the box a little bit why not consider new zealand why not consider perth why not just play it outside at a local park I mean, we're doing open air games <laughs> <laughs> no i look i like the idea of it i like the idea of trying to have an in-state thing ideally because you want i guess people to not have to travel on christmas day if possible but I guess then you've also got to look at the quality. Illawarra has not been amazing this season. No, and spare them a thought. Peyton Sivers out for the season now. Yeah. They've had so many. Oh, man. Yep. What a fall from grace. This team that was a couple of bounces away from a grand final under Gorge to being just, oh, it's sad. You hate to see it. Do you know, they're almost like the NBL equivalent of like a summer bay or like the midsummer murders place where just shit keeps happening and people keep. <laughs> People keep rocking up. It's like, you know, if you go to... You so go, if you see anyone in a hatchback that's 20 years old driving near a cliff in Illawarra... Yeah, uh, you know it's you know what's going to happen. Seasons, yeah. That's probably the import. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? They're like Midsummer it's a murders. weird analogy. I'll take Sorry, it. I'll put it this way. Midsummer Murders and Summer Bay as two examples. These are Or places. Murder She Wrote. Yeah. Where, like, there's a murder every week in this tiny little village... <laughs> Yeah, somewhere else well if you don't yeah well yeah, i won't get too dark yeah okay yeah it's your brains that's what i'm getting at so yes if you're an import don't go to illawarra because you're just going to end up getting injured oh it's sad i do feel for hawks fans two wins 17 losses yep poor bastards yeah Couple of other really quick hits thanks to matt mcquade the king shot 69.1 percent against the jack jumpers second best ever behind the kings Game two of the 1992 semis when they shot 73.8%. Wow. Can you imagine that was the Dwayne McLean, Ken McClary, Damien Keogh. Dean Yusoff. Yeah, um, Greg Hubbard. Good. Tim Morrissey. Yeah, probably. decent team. Decent team. And they lost the series to Melbourne. But that's... Was, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Because I was going to say Southeast Melbourne, but yeah, that would make no sense because they won the championship that year, I'm pretty sure. Dion Vasiljevic has broken out of his shooting slump. Last night, just had a lazy, what was it, 42? Yeah. 10 triples. And previously, he was 9 of 51 on his pre-point Jackson shooting four race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to Mick Randall on that one. And then finally, Sarah Blixarv's head for... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Mick Randall! <laughs> <laughs> it's an obscure... I know, I know it's Mark Randall. <laughs> still, 
Ah, the shot behind the basket. Yep. Yeah, try and find that one. Uh, Sarah Blixarf's had 41 on 88% shooting wow. recently in the WNBL. Quality. So good on her. So crazy times in the cricket, Stewie. Unric Nokia's getting sconed in the head by Spider Cam. The Sydney Thunder are being bowled out for 15. England are winning matches in Pakistan that they have no right to win. It's all happening, isn't it? Crazy it, stuff. It is all happening. If It's all happening everywhere. It is. Like, like I said, it's one of my favourite times. The only thing missing is the footy. Yeah. It's one of my favourite times of the year for sport. And a half-decent opponent for the Aussies, let's be honest. So we'll, we'll probably start off with the Aussie-South African series, which has been, let's be honest, a bit of a fizzer. Yeah, well, yeah. It has. Yeah, it has. <laughs> don't, don't try and... No, I was, was going to say they're bowling okay, but their batting lets them down. But even their bowling at times, I mean... I mean, we're four for 470. Yeah, yeah. 590-odd like or something like that in the last test. It's just... And I haven't seen as much of this test because I've been at work the last few days since Tuesday, but... I've seen people on Crick Info, some of the comments, like someone was saying Rabada looks like he just doesn't give a shit anymore in this one. He's just given up. Yep. Maharaj. Maharaj was bowling with the new ball. Yeah. That's Why? Weird. That's weird. Why? That is weird. It's very weird. So I guess we'll quickly sum up what's happened. So first test, second shortest test ever completed in Australia inside two days. Well, and it's lucky it wasn't the pink test because Jane McGrady's day three. <laughs> so they didn't even get to day three. What about that? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So the Gabba pitch labelled unfit for test cricket. Did you enjoy this one? I still did, actually. Yeah, I still did. I don't mind when ball wins, but, geez, a lot of wickets fell in one day. 17, maybe. That's a bit less than 20. Yeah. Can you remember a time where a bloke makes a duck and receives man of the match on the same day? <laughs> Nearly had a ton. Travis Head's in great form, isn't he? He's in pretty good form. Oh, yeah. and he's my scoring goodness. his runs quick. Oh, he's, he's very quick. He's playing basketball, really. Like he's he would fit in quite well with this English cricket. Oh, team. absolutely, he would. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say one of the things, like, don't get me wrong, I agree with you entirely. I love love when the ball is actually doing something and the bat is really struggling. I, I love that. I love seeing the the fight. The thing that was tricky for me, though, is that day one, I was on the couch in absolute agony because it was before I'd managed to get into the hospital. And day two, I was getting surgery done and I was in the recovery room. By the time I got back to my room, it was over. Yeah. So that was the disappointing thing is that is that I would have liked to have watched more days. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I had all this great stuff planned. I'm going to sit in the hospital for three days and watch. Yeah, you've got nothing to. Yeah, yeah, nothing to miss. And in the end, I ended up doing Sudoku's for bloody nine hours a day. Yeah, right. I love this tweet, though, from Jeff Lemon Sport. Cricket people are hilarious. They agonise about tests being too slow and boring. Then you get a fast-paced match that rushes forward, showing off bowling skills while testing out batting, and everyone is absolutely furious about it. Yep, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. Another really good one from Ben Cutting as well. Say what you want about the Gabba wicket. I would tune in to watch blokes bowl rockets on a fast, bouncy green seamer every day of the week. Enthralling to watch. Cricket needs ball-dominating bat matches like that every so often. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I agree too. It's nice to have a bit of a mix. But it was funny. I mean, the pitch looked as green as the grass around it. And I don't remember a time where ever you can barely distinguish between where the pitch finishes and the square ends. You know what I mean? It makes those but, the pitch no balls hard. To yeah, enjoy. yeah. One of the things, though, that I would say is that as much as, you know, you can blame the pitch, a lot of the blame has to go to the South African batters, though. Like, their foot movement, their technique for the most part. They're running between wickets. Just hideous. Well, yeah, not, not yeah no, it was. Not Undisciplined. Like, only Temba Bavuma and Kyle Verena showed any sort of fight in the first dig. Like, if they'd managed another 50 or 60 runs, 
it was game. They'd probably win that test. Quite possibly. Because Australia were four down, finishing off really poorly. Rabada was bowling superbly in the second dig. If their target had been, let's say, I don't know, 100, 110, as opposed to like 36 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. yeah ask some questions. Would have been tight. Yeah, yeah. Would have been very, very tight. So, yeah, I think it, it was probably a little bit more enjoyable than a lot of people sort of really put down. I, I enjoyed well, it. Well, you, you wonder how many of those people actually watched any of it. Yeah. They've just looked at the two days and gone, oh, two days, that's shit. Yeah. But I, I've enjoyed most of the test cricket I've watched this summer so far. Mm. There's not a hell of a lot left for Australia. <laughs> True. But, but, well, unless you include the Indian tour is kind of in our summer in February, but that's still a little while away. True. Second test, look, probably not a whole heap to talk about with this one. Cameron Green, absolute masterclass bowling on day one. It was a weird one, though, because I think all of us looked at it and went, why did we win the toss and then send them in? Yes, but it was actually an absolute stroke of genius from Pat Cummins looking at it going, well, day two is going to be fucking hideously hot. Yes, yeah, yeah. Let's make sure that we're not out there bowling all day on that. And sure enough, South Africa failed with the bat again. Cam Green picks up his first fifer. And then day two absolutely pummeled South Africa into submission. Dave Warner did his thing. I've got to say, Nokia was consistently bowling 150 clicks in 38 degree heat. The hats off to him. Oh, he's been probably uh, mate. He's I'm scary. Say, I say outstanding, but he's been no, very, he's but been he's very good. yeah. And fancy winning all the tosses and sending the team into bat two out of those times and still winning the match. It's unusual. It goes against conventional logic, doesn't it? It really does. But again, they timed it well, and you know David Warner spectacular in his hundredth test. Join Joe Root is the only players with a double ton in their hundredth match before being carried off. And and I think most people would hear that and go, oh, he got chaired off in his 100th test. That's great. No, he literally got carried off yeah, because he couldn't walk. Yeah, well, he had a cramp doing his Toyota jump oh, in the air celebration. I, as soon as he You could see it coming, couldn't you? You could see it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, so he went off, retired hurt, and then he came back the next day and didn't have another run, I don't think, did he? Well, no, he didn't, not a single run. But it's interesting because he goes off and then Cam Green comes in and then he gets hurt. Yeah, too. that finger injury. Whew. Bust his finger up. Yeah, the x-rays were on Twitter and bust up, all right. It's not too good at not all. Not at all, no. Not, not too good at all. But great half centuries for Steve Smith, Travis Head and Cam Green. Maiden ton to Alex Carey. Did see a cracking tweet from Daniel Cherney reminding us about how great Adam Gilchrist was, funnily enough. Oh, yeah. Gilchrist had 17 test centuries. Alex Carey's ton was the 15th by all other test wicket keepers combined. Yeah, right. Wow. Now, I think it was the seventh wicketkeeper for Australia to score a test ton. I'd believe that, yeah. yeah. Look, it's not like wicketkeeper was a professional batsman like they are now. I mean, nowadays, to be there, you have to be a great batter. But you go back to, I don't know, the 70s, and it's like he was a specialist wicketkeeper. That was it. You might get a few runs, and then Ian Healy came along and started doing good things. And- but even even Heels was, I mean, nothing compared to Gilly. No. Nothing. No. And I mean, you think of guys like Alex Stewart, for example, but how's this? So Ethan Meldrum tweeted, Alex Carey's 106 not out was a higher score than GWS has ever scored at the MCG. <laughs> yeah. 103. Because, of course, Alex Carey was on the GWS juniors for a while there. I've got some other stats here as well. We talked about Warner and we also talked about Cam Green. Warner has more than 8,000 runs and 25 tons in 100 tests at a strike rate of better than 70. Only Verinda Saywag has scored more runs at a greater speed as an opener, thanks to Dan Bredig on that one. And he's the only player with three or more tons at Adelaide, the Gabba, the MCG, the SCG, and the Wacker, thanks to Swampy, and became just the second cricketer 
behind Gordon Greenwich to score a ton in both his 100th test match and 100th ODI. I didn't know the ODI one as well. That's... Fancy that though, eh? That's pretty crazy. Very, very cool. And thank God, like, Cam Green silenced the critics. The critics never should have been baying anyway. I'm astonished at how quickly we write guys off in this country. Yeah. I'm still convinced that Matthew Hayden's career was finished prematurely because the media and everyone got on his back when he was in a bit of a form slump. It's going to happen to one or two, you can almost guarantee. But Cam Green, he's got six test 50s in 18 matches. He averaged 34 with the bat and 30 with the ball. To put it in perspective, the only player with more runs at a better average with more wickets at a better average before the age of 24 was Ian Botham. One player, mm. thanks to Ben Jones Cricket on that one. And to compare also, so Stokesy, 36.1 with the bat, 32 with the ball. Flintoff, 31.8. 32.8 with the ball. Glenn Mitchell, thanks to him for that one. So I, I'm just astonished that people were even considering talking about Cam Green being dropped. And that's not even talking about, as we've said a number of times, his the hands. Fact, the fact that he is the best fielder in Gully in the entire world right now. So yeah, I, I'm glad that they've kept him in. I mean, he's young. One thing this Australian team needs is young blood. Yeah, and he just brings so much to the table. He really so does. So much to the table. He really does. And by the way, he's got to call three million in the IPL auction or whatever it was. Pretty handy. Probably barely play. Pretty yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. So anyway, going back to this second test, I mean, it was over by the end of day three. You could just see the Proteas, just everything dropped. Their body language. I mean, they were they were wrecked. There were guys coming on for one over, two over spells because they were that bloody tired. Yeah, yeah. And Gidey looked like he was disengaged right by the end of day two. They made 200 for the first time in the series by four. I think they made 204 in the second dig. And how's this on their last eight test innings? Obviously, they haven't batted yet in this one. 151 and 179 versus England. 118 and 169 versus England. 152 and 99 versus Australia in that Gabba test. And then 189 and 204 in the Boxing Day test at an average of 158. Yeah, it's not great. That's. I mean, that's... This is the second best team in the world? You I don't you, think so. You'd be disappointed with that in a T20. Yeah, you 158. Would. Yeah, you would, actually. That's shit ass. So while their bowling's pretty good, yeah. Maharaj is... Mm, yeah. while, while their bowling's been pretty good, their batting's woeful. And why isn't Aiden Markram playing? What's going on there? Good question. Yeah. Good question. I don't know. So third test is, what, two days in now. We've lost a shit ton of time because rain. Sydney can't seem to go a couple of days without rain. Yes. Honestly. Well, they're starting to talk about rejigging the, the calendar and the fixtures a little bit. To have Sydney never have any tests. Well, apparently rain isn't as bad in December for Sydney. So some people are saying give them the first test. Yeah. But Australia never loses it or hardly ever loses at the Gabba. But the first test was in WA this year. So it's, it's I don't know, tradition's yeah. probably out the window anyway, isn't it? Who knows? Who knows? But it's already looking good for the Aussies. We've had a, a ton for Manus Labashain. Before the light was an issue and before the rain was an issue, it looked like we might have got a double ton for Usman Kawaja. He's on 195, not out. Just going back to Manus, he had a bit of luck too. Was he out on that catch? Now he only added another nine. He went from 70 to 79. So it wasn't a hell of a lot of damage. Side on it looked not out. Front on it looked out. It's hard. Side on was enough for me to say. I, I think not out was the right call. Yeah. I think you give the batter the benefit of the doubt. But it, fuck, it was close. <laughs> Get rid of the soft call. It's not important. Well, so funnily enough, I heard on the ABC grandstand coverage that apparently the soft call that holds less credence than it once did. So it should. Yeah. If the umpire is going to the third umpire, yeah. it's saying, I don't actually know if this was out. Yeah, so yeah. what's the point? doesn't yeah. make any sense. Anyway. Yeah. So we had, obviously, the injuries. So Cam Green and Mitchell Stark both missing with their finger injuries. 
and traditionally Sydney will spin if the players actually get out on the field. So we had three changes, Green, Stark and Boland out for Hazelwood, Agar and COVID Renshaw. Thoughts? Yeah, isn't it bizarre? Like you can have COVID and still play. I mean, times have changed. Who was it? Tali McGrath in the Women's yes. T20 World Cup. So things have changed. They have. I found the Renshaw one a bit of a head scratcher. Yep. I know that they probably see Agar as a bit of an all-rounder. Obviously, he had that famous 99 at number 12. He's handy with the bat. But He's I, good in the field. I will also go back and quote Woody, who basically said something to the equivalent of he's done fuck all since then. Well, he's barely played any first-class cricket since then. I think he's only played Red Bull cricket twice in the last two years or something ridiculous mm-hmm. I heard recently. I think that was ABC Grandstand as well. So a bit of a weird choice, but I, I wish I could remember who it was. I can't remember if it was Pidgey McGrath or Ashwell Prince. They've had a couple of experts going through ABC. But they were saying that a finger spinner who's a little bit quick like Aksar Patel, for example, are really useful on those Indian pitches. And so it's almost a matter of, okay, you don't pick the spinner with the best average necessarily because you go with Swepson. If it's the skill set and if he can bowl 90K and he can change his pace a bit quicker, obviously he's an offie rather than a leggy. But So that was interesting to hear. So clearly they think that Agar will be a really good pace in the subcontinent. Yeah. But he's not a quick all-rounder. So they only, without Cam Green, they only have two blokes. All the other all-rounders, Smith, Head, Warner, anyone else that rolls the arm over, are bowling leggies, Labashane. So in that sense, I would have thought Nisa would have been good instead of Renshaw. I don't know. I mean, it's all probably moot anyway. Yeah, it is tough, yeah. Look, I I feel bad for Scotty Boland. I think he's been arguably the pick of the bowlers with Pat Cummins. I think he would have been all right on there, but it is tough. Hazelwood absolutely has to be a walk-up starter at the SCG. It makes sense. On his home deck, yeah. But yeah, and look, I don't mind Agar. I think the Renshaw thing for me, he's so susceptible to fast bowlers coming around the wicket to him. They put the ball in that good area just outside the off stump and he struggles not... Like if, if they're coming across him, he's okay. He'll leave all day, all of that sort of stuff. But He's been out a number of times playing at balls that he shouldn't have, you know, that are 30 to 60 centimetres outside off stump because he doesn't feel as comfortable when they're coming around the wicket. So I I worry about that. And I think if South Africa have got any sense, they'll bowl to him around the wicket as much as they can. Well, there might be a declaration soon anyway. Well, yeah, he's he's in. He's in now, yeah. Four or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time will tell. Look, he scored a lot of runs in the shield. I think he deserves his shot. I just wondered if this was the match where it happened. That's all. Mm. I mean, we need to find new openers. Neither Kawaja nor Warner are spring chickens. They're going to push Warner out, you can almost guarantee. So Renshaw would be one of the guys that... It's just such a shame about Pukowski, as we've said in the past. It is, it is. And, And look, you could argue the flip side of that is maybe this is the test because the series has already won... Ah, but assuming we lose all four in India, we need to win this one to make the World Test Championship. Ah. And we missed the World Test Championship in part last time because of overrates. So so they want to win this one. They really want to win this one. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Just a couple of things quickly. So it's the first summer we've had three different Aussies that have had double tons in Manus, Smith and Warner. And Steve, we might get a fourth as well. We could. Kawaja, yeah, if they don't declare on him. Yep. Oh, they won't. They'll, yeah, you, we, you, you would never do it. I understand. Yeah, position, day three, yeah, rain. Give him three overs, he'll get to 200. You'd hope so. You'd hope yeah. so. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to assume. 100%. Steve Smith's 30th test ton moves him into fourth all-time for runs behind punter, AB and war. I believe he passed Clark and Hayden in the process. Okay. So increasingly people are saying, is he the second best behind Bradman 
or will he be the second best behind Bradman when all is said and done? Yeah. Pretty crazy for a guy that came in at number seven as a leg spinner. It's not bad. <laughs> not bad. Handy player. Handy player indeed. Now, there's lots of other interesting matches going on around the world too. It's not just here in Australia. Yeah. I mean, we won't go into the New Zealand-Pakistan series because, I mean, it's gone pretty much exactly as expected. It's high-scoring there's draws because obviously teams are scoring five, six hundred. Yes. The first match was, yeah, the high scoring draw that I talked about. New Zealand probably wins with another hour of play. Along the way, the Kiwi scored 612, a scoregami of sorts. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. First, Has there never been? First time 612 was ever scored as a team total in an innings in a test. Oh, there you which go. Is really cool. I saw Rick Finlay posted a cracking tweet. The five lowest totals that have never been made by a team in tests are now 18, 56, 597, 618, and 623. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it is. And the second test is heading towards a fairly boring one. I think the first innings hadn't even finished after day three. Right. So probably yeah, another yeah. draw, you would think. Yeah, yeah. Flat tracks. But the BBL's been kind of fun. Yes, it has. So the Thunder got bowled out for 15, as I say. I went to the uh, Perth Scorchers versus the Melbourne Stars game, which was a good win. Ash Turner had a good little 50, and Joe Richardson was very good with the ball. Yeah, he was on a hat-trick twice. He was, he was. Yeah, he only finished with only, inverted commas, finished with four in the end, but he was very good, yeah. It's funny, that isn't it? Only four. There's, yeah, there's yeah. been some, yeah, been cut, at least one five for that I can remember. But yeah, real roller coaster. Like Adelaide started the season winning their first three. They lost their last four. Melbourne Renegades did the same. Perth had won four in a row before losing to that same Sydney Thunder team that was bowled out for 15. It's insane. Like any team can beat anyone anywhere on any night. It's great. Well, that's T20 for you, isn't it? Yeah. But I will say this before we get into because there's a couple of issues we do need to talk about. There is. Well, one of whom was one of the blokes that had that Pfeiffer. So Tom Rogers had five for 16 against the Stars, which is the eighth best in BBL history. And we'll talk about we the man cat. But yeah, sorry. I just wanted to quickly say, I don't think anyone has been more disappointing than Adam Leith so far. Yeah, well, you, you hope your international players to perform. Not only that, but it's so... Okay, so he's had seven scores so far, one above 11. Mm. 73 runs at 10.4 and a strike rate of under 100 from an opener. Yeah, not good. It's not good. Like, there's always, like, Faf Duplessis on his way out. Kind of would like life to go with him. <laughs> I can maybe uh, jump on a boat up to England. But he's brought nothing to the team so far for me. And, and it's just it's frustrating. Anyway, we'll get on to these two things. What do you want to talk about? The Michael Nisa catch or the man cad? Uh, let's go in chronological order. Let's start with the catch. Okay. It's the play that we love to hate, isn't it? The boundary catch. I'm okay with it if it's done properly. <laughs> the, the problem here is the fucking laws are bizarre. The laws are just weird. It, it is weird. It is weird. And I, just before we get to the catch, I did want to kind of just talk a little bit about that game. So Brisbane made five for 224 in that game. Massive, massive shout out to Josh Brown and Nathan McSweeney. So Brown, he had barely played any games at that level. Comes in, makes 62 or 23. Yeah, yeah. McSweeney had 84 or 51. Both of them were phenomenal. Now, the Sixers in reply, they're 7 for 199 off 18.1 overs. Jordan Silk's on 41 off 22. He's hit a six with the previous ball. Another one, he plays this beautiful shot over extra cover. Michael Neeser catches it, throws it up in the air before he goes over the ropes. You see him plant himself and kind of look like, fuck, I'm in no man's land. What do I do? So he catches it, he, like, he jumps up, catches it, throws it back in, goes back over the ropes, catches it, and lands. Great athleticism. It was a, it was a very pleasing play to watch, but should it be out? 
because he took nine steps, maybe 10, probably nine steps behind the rope in that period where the ball's in the air, where he's thrown it up to catch a second time. It's just, it's not a good look. It's weird. It should be six. It, it is. By the letter of the law, it's 100% out. 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 Oh, you say out. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. But we're talking about whether it should be. It's the rule makers who have got it wrong. So yeah. let, I'll just quickly read the law. So law 19.5.2 states, a fielder who is not in contact with the ground is considered to be grounded beyond the boundary if his or her final contact with the ground before his or her first contact with the ball after it has been delivered by the bowler was not entirely within the boundary. Very hard to it's kind like, of understand it. Like normal laws, laws of the game, like yes. legislation, yeah. Basically, what they're saying is as long as you catch the ball in midair and you have basically caught it in, inside the boundary, you can basically do whatever you want as long as you complete the catch back inside the field of play. So there were all these tweets yeah, going yeah, yeah. People were getting a bit silly. You can basically like just keep jumping and throw it all the way to an airport, get on a plane, take it international, bring it back. I mean, it's insane. And look, we always default to basketball. And, and I think the, the same could be made of the out-of-bounds rule there. So... If your feet are out of bounds, you need to establish position inside the boundary before taking possession of the ball. Otherwise, it's out of bounds. Right? Same thing in the NFL. Yeah, you've got to get both feet in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I wouldn't have a problem if it's just one foot grounded in the cricket. So, like, if you if you throw it back... Land on one foot. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Foot, I'm okay with that. Yeah. As opposed to the basketball, where you have to have both feet grounded or the football, as you mentioned. But... I mean, yeah, this is just taking the absolute piece. It is. It's, it is it's taking just, the piss. It's ridiculous. And and I don't know. You could almost make a case that the minute one foot has touched behind the line, you're out of the play. Yeah. And you've got to basically eat the six or hope that there's another fielder yeah. close enough to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what made it worse was, as I was sort of mentioning before, Jordan Silk was getting going. That's given six. The target for the sixes drops to 20 off 10, which is very, very doable by today's standards. And you've got a guy who is still facing as well in yeah, Jordan Silk, yeah. who is would be then 47 off 23. Yeah, and it's it's a dud law and hopefully they'll change it. It could have possibly cost them the game. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. All right, Nathan. Man one Cad. law that isn't a dud as far as we're concerned, and another very controversial one. Is the man cad. Now we probably need to start calling it a run out. We do, yeah. We probably need to to move away from the man cad stuff. But Adam Zampa has caught Tom Rogers a good meter out of his crease i think yep but the only reason it wasn't given out is because he rolled his arm to its highest height which is kind of replicating a delivery and so he wasn't out it was a dead ball yep what do you reckon well this is interesting because i know that you and i differ on this slightly I... well mm, i've had a chance to think about it okay Ooh, yeah okay we might be on the same side yeah i think we probably are no, actually. fair enough so Basically, my thoughts are on this, that you really should only be able to use it if he hasn't sort of entered his bowling action, which is sort of, yeah, at that vertical. We start kind of entering a world where bowlers are going to be looking for it as a tactic. If a guy's set, maybe let's see if we can catch him out at the other end. And all of a sudden, it kind of impacts the quality of the game. It slows the game down. Okay, I understand the non-striker still has to play by the rules, but I, I just think it's a dangerous slippery slope if we start sort of going, oh, I'm right in the middle of my, you know, I'm just about at the point where I release and then I stop. And Yeah, so for me, it's the speed of the game. So when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, yeah, you, you kind of begin the rolling motion and if they've left the crease, just finish the motion through and whip the stumps off instead of delivering the ball. But that's different. That's with a tennis ball. You're not bowling quick. 
like in the professional game, it moves very quickly. There are blokes bowling sometimes up to 160, I mean, in rare occurrences. It moves very quick. So if your arm reaches the highest point, it probably should be a dead ball. It probably should. So for me, it's more about the safety and the speed of the game and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, even some people are saying if he's out of his crease, he's out of his crease, and it doesn't matter where your arm is. If you catch him out, you catch him out. Like Brian Lara, for example, is a batsman. So I've got a quote from him. You're telling a bowler that if he goes over the line by a centimetre and he gets you out, that's illegal. No ball, obviously. But you're allowed to go down the track three or four yards and take that advantage. I say, Adam, run him out. Yeah. And so do we. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I think at that point where you're at the, the sort of almost at the release point, I think that's sort of when you start saying, all right, now we're, we're kind of going a little bit too far. But I, I do agree with you. And I have to also mention at two different points in that explanation from Nate, he had a very good Glenn McGrath looking sort of round arm action <laughs> yes, coming through. It was, it was yes, not a visual medium. This yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the elbow did kind of break a little bit on the second one. It might have been a bit no ball, but we will see. But anyway, Rogers did get the last laugh. As he said before, he took five for 16, skittled the Stars' top order in a 33-run victory to stop a four-match losing streak. So, And Muji Baraman had two for seven as well. So there was some good bowling performances in that match. was. Yeah. So, yeah, good cricket going on all around. Yeah, absolutely. But look, as we've said before, we think it should be allowed we don't think you should have to warn a bloke. No. They know where the bloody crease is. I mean, it's like in baseball. Can you imagine if a guy stole home and the pitcher goes, oh, you're warned. Next time you try and steal home, I'm going to try and get you out. <laughs> well, the run's already been scored. Yeah, too late. You know what I mean? I just don't get it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a game of millimetres, as you mentioned before, the no ball. But then if the guy pinches a millimetre and gets in at the other end by a millimetre, well, he's not out. Yeah, exactly. So, and, yeah. and I can't remember who it was. Who was a South African bloke that was like a good meter out of his crease? And Starkey kind of played with him a little oh, bit. Uh, De Bruyne. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Like De Bruyne explosion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had the same De Bruyne fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Should be out. It should be. Just finally, a shout out to the Aussie women T20 team. They nearly went a whole year without losing. They finally lost to India in a super over late in December. But nonetheless, a very, very good season. Heading into the Women's T20 World Cup, which isn't too far away. so You could say a champagne super over. Oh, very good. In the sky. Yeah, very good. All right, sure, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, look, it hasn't been the most exciting summer of Test cricket, unfortunately. The, the Windies in South Africa haven't put up the fight we were kind of hoping for. Yeah, I still enjoyed it. Still enjoyed it. And look, there's still a lot of really great stuff going on in the world of the BBL. Just seen Matt Short had 100 off 59 to lead the strikers to 3 for 230. Yes, news just a hand. Which is nuts considering he was dropped off the first ball. But uh, lots of good stuff going on there. And look, the NBL season just continues to get better and better. Yeah. That is a key drop. Wow. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplugs.